0: Louis Palau tells about a, an, Air, an Air Canada flight that ran into trouble one fateful Monday. Passengers were enjoying a movie on a Boeing 767 when the Jumbo Jets' massive engines just abruptly stopped. Only those without earphones noticed it at first, and, and then came a break in the movie, and the pilot announced that Flight 143 would be making an emergency landing. Sixty-nine people were trapped in an agonizingly slow but inescapable descent to earth. And for several minutes, a desperate silence just kind of hung over the cabin. And then fear gave way to screams as the landing neared. And, and all the latest technology couldn't keep that jumbo jet in the air one more sac- second. What had happened was this, the flight crew depended on figures given by the refueling crew before takeoff, but someone on the refueling crew had confused pounds for kilograms, and therefore, 800 miles short of its destination, the jumbo jet had run out of fuel. Fortunately, the captain and the co-pilot were very skilled, and they were able to glide flight 143 some 100 miles to a former military airfield and a dramatic crash landing uh, uh, happened and it it, it heavily damaged the the jet's landing gear, but by the grace of God, no one on board was hurt. There you had it, an impressive uh, uh, aircraft, an impressive vehicle headed in the right direction and it ran out of fuel. Listen, if that's not a description of discouragement, I don't know what it is. And that's happening to a lot of people today. There's a, you know, they have uh, everything going for them. Uh, they, they have a, a healthy sense of self-esteem. They have a healthy sense of God's hand on their life. And, and they're motivated, motivated by a sense of purpose. But then one day, you know, as time wears on them and things and life just happens around them, they wake up disillusioned and disheartened and discouraged. And the fuel has all been spent. One of the biggest obstacles we face in life is discouragement. And once we get discouraged, it's hard to find the will to keep going. when, When General Douglas MacArthur was recalled from Korea, he was afforded an opportunity to address the United States Congress. And as he spoke, he said this. He said, I'm closing my 52 years of military service. When I joined the Army, even before the turn of the century, it was the fulfillment of all my boyish hopes and dreams the world has turned over many times since I took the oath on the on the plane at West Point, and the hopes and dreams have long since vanished. What a sad day that must have been. the day that his hopes and dreams died and how how very similar for the disciples as as they heard, hid in a room in Jerusalem behind not locked doors, they had believed Jesus and they, were, they had left everything to follow Jesus. But the dreams were dead and the one whom, whom they loved and believed in was buried in a tomb and everything they'd hoped for, everything that they thought was going to happen, that was all gone, it was over. And, and th- there they were, locked in a room, not knowing what was going to happen. They were overcome with discouragement. Jesus' most vocal follower, Peter, he had denied him, he had deserted him, and he had run for his life. Today we're going to look at how Peter dealt with his discouragement and how he was able to overcome it. The first thing I want to talk about, though, because it's important for us to understand it, is the cause of discouragement discouragement is caused by unmet expectations you know we we become discouraged when when we don't meet our expectations I mean if you have ever had a moment in your life when you didn't measure up to your own standards that ever happened to you Everybody's in here. We, we get discouraged when we don't meet our expectations or, or when when life doesn't meet our expectations. Does anybody have, have ever had life not measure up to what you expected it to be? Or, or we get discouraged when other people don't meet, that meet our expectations. Anybody else? Uh, have anybody in your life that is, has disappointed you and didn't live up to your expectations? And maybe worst of all, We get discouraged when God doesn't meet our expectations. Because that happens, because sometimes our expectations are wrong. We act as though we, you know, we live in a cause and effect world and that things are supposed to turn out a certain way. We believe that if we continue to do A, that eventually the result will be B. But sometimes, how many of you have figured out life doesn't always work that way? Life is not like a math equation. Although I've seen some math equations they're doing in the new math, that uh, maybe it's more like life than I thought. I don't know. But you know what? Parents often become discouraged. You know, many moms and dads do everything they know to do. And yet, in spite of their efforts, their children just don't turn out the way that they expected or 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 there are there are people that that married couples that they become discouraged because they go into a marriage with, with and they believe that they they have a certain set of expectations and and it just seems like that marriage is never going to never going to bring the joy that they hoped for in their life or, or or you know ministers pastors they're also vulnerable to discouragement because sometimes it seems that our efforts have no impact on the life of the church so we we pray we study we preach we visit we plan but we just don't see any visible results when things in life don't go the way we expect them to go it's hard not to resign ourselves to long-term discouragement you know it's it's a little bit like the young man you may have heard about him he went to see a fortune teller and she she studied his hand and told him she said you will be poor and completely miserable until you're 41 years old and he said, well, then what will happen? Will, will I become rich? No, said the fortune teller. You'll always be poor, but you'll become so accustomed to it that you'll no longer be miserable. <laughs> well, you know what? Peter dis- experienced discouragement when Jesus died. No question about that. He was discouraged Because Jesus' death destroyed Peter's expectations of how Jesus should establish his earthly kingdom. That's why I said earlier that sometimes God doesn't live up to our expectations because our expectations are wrong. And Peter, he had these certain expectations. He he expected Jesus, especially after he rose from the dead, he expected Jesus to to form an army and to rise up and throw the Roman Empire out of Jerusalem and to to raise Israel back to the state of its former glory and as a kingdom and he thought jesus would, was going to establish his earth, earthly kingdom but he was also discouraged because during that whole time peter uh, he, he failed to meet his own expectations L- listen to what peter said to jesus and listen i believe he meant it with his whole heart but he said to jesus he said even if everyone else deserts you i never will I think he meant that. I think he believed that that was true. He had that set of expectations on his life. And and when Peter uh, said this, Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, I hate to tell you, but this very night you're going to disown me three times. And Peter's response to that in, in, in Matthew 26, he said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You know what the problem was? Peter put a lot of faith in himself. Too much, in fact. And when Peter failed to meet his own expectations, he, he became discouraged. And, and so, as, in the essence, that's the cause of discouragement, failed expectations, that we do what we believe is the right thing. We, we keep going, we, we, we try to see these things happen, and then our expectations become, are unmet. And, 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 but if we will examine our expectations closely, we'll often find that they're unrealistic because if you're like me you know my, i don't meet my own expectations but, and that's because sometimes i expect myself to be perfect anybody ever face that kind of deal where you think you think you should be able to handle everything that comes your way you ever you know maybe when you get a little bit older you figure out hey this is, this is not how, not how it's going to work but but when we have this this these unrealistic expectations then we we set ourselves up for discouragement So that's the cause of it. But let's look, second thing, let's look at the characteristics of a discouraged person. When we become discouraged, we tend to follow certain predictable behavior patterns in an attempt to overcome or to deal with our discouragement. The first thing that we do, and you'll see this all the time, is we compromise when we're discouraged. You know, in the 18th chapter of John, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Peter drew his sword and struck the, the, the high priest servant's uh, ear. He, he, he tried to kill him and he cut off his ear. It always kind of makes me laugh a little bit because how do you swing at somebody's head to kill them and all you get is the ear? I mean, I keep thinking, how could he how did he even miss the shoulder? Anything else? But it's like, i have got to get him. <laughs> so there goes his ear. Well, you know, he didn't. But <laughs> that's a side note. But but in doing that, in in pulling the sword out and attacking that guard, Peter compromised the teaching of Jesus. Everything that Jesus had said about nonviolence and nonresistance was completely disregarded. And instead of listening to what Jesus had told him to do, instead of taking that all into account, what Peter did instead was he took matters into his own hands. By the way, Peter doing that proves to me that he really did mean what he had said, but he didn't really understand what Jesus was trying to do. Of course, he took matters into his own hands, and of course, his plan didn't work. He lowered his standards, but he, never, he did not change his expectations. When Peter attacked the high priest's servant, his expectations were still unrealistically high, but his commitment to obeying the teachings of Jesus had dropped several notches. And we see it in other places where, where people got discouraged and they lowered their standards. Abraham is a great example. He got discouraged when God's promise didn't come. He had been promised by God, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a son, he's going to be your heir and, and you're going to have, be the father of, of many nations and he had this promise but then after, after many, many years, many, many years of waiting, the promise had still not happened and Abraham got discouraged and, and he listened to his wife as she began to say to him, listen, maybe, maybe you heard God but maybe he's going to do it a different way Way and so she, they took matters into their own hands, and, 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 he, and he took his, her handmaid uh, to, to bed, and they gave birth to Ishmael. He was discouraged because his expectations were not being met. And he lowered his standards and took matters into, the, into his own hands. And I've got to, hear, to, to, got to tell you, we're exactly the same. We do the same thing. When we cling to unrealistic expectations, when we uh, begin to believe that it's going to be a certain way, and, we're, and we we've come to those conclusions not based on what God has said, but what we have figured out, and, and then we, be, we become discouraged we would have a tendency to do anything to make them happen, even if we have to lower our standards to do it. Second characteristic is that we quit when we're discouraged. Discouragement can lead to despair. That's what Peter experienced after he denied Jesus, after he denied knowing Jesus he said, it says that after he'd done it, after the third time, when he realized that everything Jesus had said had come true, it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. You know, uh, there's an old song, really old song, came out when I was in high school. Uh, so it was like, you know, a few years after the Civil War ended. Um, there's a song it's called he's alive it was written by don francisco and and there's a line in that song that that really captures that what i think must have been going through his mind because uh, as peter began to weigh out the empty tomb there's a line in there it says when at last it came to choices i denied i knew his name and then he says even if he was alive it wouldn't be the same how could it be how could it be the same? I mean, after, after I promised Him all these things and, and He's done all this for me, and yet I denied Him three times, how could it ever be the same? And despair is the feeling that all hope is lost. And it's, despair is the, is the sense, the idea that nothing can change anything now. Peter experienced it. I've experienced it. You have probably experienced it too. And, and, and we that's our tendency when we get discouraged we want to just give up another characteristic is that we withdraw we withdraw when we're discouraged john twenty nineteen says the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the jews when a person is in the depths of despair they tend to stay at home when you have friends that are discouraged, sometimes the, you know, what they do is they, they say, well, I'm not, just not going to go to church today when it's the one place they need to be. Yeah. And when a person gets discouraged, they tend to get uninvolved because they say, what's the point? Why even try? And they withdraw into a shell of self-pity. I read a true story about a pastor and, and his associate pastor who went to visit some people in their homes. And one of the homes they went to, they walked up and it was completely dark. And the associate, associate pastor made the comment and said, he said, it looks like there's nobody at home. And the pastor just said, there's someone here. And they rang the doorbell. And after several minutes, a woman named Joanne came to the door and invited them inside. And they, they walked inside and they found a cluttered, cluttered room with the only light was coming through a crack in the drawn curtains and Joanne said, sorry, it's so dark in here. I just can't bring myself to turn on a light. What had happened was that Joanne's husband had left several weeks before. And since the day he had walked out the door, she had sat in that dark house crying every day. And Because of disappointment, she had completely withdrawn from the world. And you know what? As long? Here's the thing. The disciples, in their discouragement, they said, let's just go lock ourselves away. Let's just go hide in a room. We don't have to deal with the world. We don't have to, I don't want to deal with the enemies of Jesus. I don't want to deal with any of this. I don't know what to do because all of our hopes have been dashed. All of our expectations are gone. So let's just go lock ourselves in a room. And, but as long as the disciples were hiding behind locked doors, they were unable to finish the task that Jesus had given them. And when we withdraw, we become completely unproductive and we're not able to accomplish the task that he's given to us. The fourth characteristic is that we try to escape reality when we're discouraged. There's a term that you might have heard where people, they, they call this, where, where, when we're discouraged, where we medicate. We we look for something to alleviate the pain of discouragement or despair or or maybe just to try to at least distract us for a while. You know, for Peter, what he did, it was fishing. He 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 just threw himself back into his work. That became like his drug of choice. He was saying, Man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw myself back into this. It's, uh, there was a uh, an interview on, on Good Morning America a few years ago where a successful businessman was talking and the, and the interviewer asked the man he said, "What is your secret to success and the man looked at him and he said, "A bad marriage he said i couldn 't stand to be at home, so I stayed at the office until I stumbled into success. He said it kind of joking, but it was only it, it gave the impression he was only half joking. What do you do to to escape the pain?" of discouragement you know some of us pour ourselves into our work some of us pour ourselves into a hobby some of us you know we get discouraged and we overeat you know, I, I tend to be that way. When I when I feel down, when I feel discouraged, I better stay away from the fridge because everything there is gonna I'm gonna be looking for something to try to bring some comfort. Or maybe we just we just start binge watching and we, we, we just pour ourselves and start watching T V because then I can turn my brain off. I don't have to think about anything. I can just watch this and, and, and numb out to the world for a while, or or maybe you go shopping or, or or maybe we try to numb ourselves with more active means through alcohol or drugs or or something like that. There's, there are many, many things we can do to try to cover up the pain of discouragement. But here's the problem with trying to escape reality. Here's the problem with trying to numb the, the pain of, of discouragement in our lives. The problem is that after we return from our escape, our problems are still there and nothing has changed and it just makes us feel even worse. See, none of these options solve the problem, compromising or quitting or withdrawing or escaping, none of them solve it. None of, us, none of them brings around a real resolution. And all, all we end up doing is making ourselves cynical, skeptical, or bitter, or like Peter, just finding ourselves at rock bottom. So the question is, we know where discouragement comes from and we know what it looks like. The question is, what should we do when we become discouraged, how do we deal with it? Well, I'm going to give you just two two things. And listen, they're simple. They're simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. And I say that because, listen, when we're discouraged, our human nature, our tendency is, we want to wallow in that. We want to we want to uh, have we want to feel sorry for ourselves. And if possible, have other people feel sorry for us. And so it's a real challenge for us as to, to, to look at what Peter did and to understand the, the impact that this can have. We have to be willing to say, I'm, going, I'm willing to let go of the pain. I'm willing to let go of the discouragement. I'm willing to let go of these things. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to find a cure for this. But here they are. The first one is, is this. And, and these are not rocket science. The first is, consider the empty tomb. John twenty, verse six. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went talking about John, and and, and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Peter walked in and he saw evidence that Jesus had been resurrected. And as he saw the evidence that Jesus had been resurrected, he began to have a glimmer of hope in the midst of all of his despair. The Gospel of Luke tells us that after examining the empty tomb, Peter went away to his home wondering about what had happened. He began to say, I'm not sure what's happening here, but there's some hope in my life. I've got some glimmer of hope in here. In fact, you know what I love about... What Jesus, when Jesus appeared to Mary, he he said to Mary, He said, Go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. Tell the disciples and Peter. He knew Peter above even more than all the other disciples who was going to be struggling and wallowing in this despair and not knowing what to do. And he said, and you be sure and tell Peter specifically that I mentioned his name because I want him to know he's thinking it'll never be the same, but I want him to know it's going to be better than ever before. Peter had this glimmer of hope, a spark of hope. And the empty tomb is our spark of hope because it tells us that God has the power to work in our lives today. There's a theologian named Karl Barth. And he said this, the resurrection of Christ teaches us that our enemies, sin, the curse, and death are destroyed. And listen to this, he said, they may still behave as though the game were not decided, but ultimately they can cause no more mischief. We still have to reckon with them, but we need fear them no longer. And listen, if death has been defeated, what other problem, what other foe could we have in our life that we have to worry about? If death has been defeated, what's the worst that anybody can do to us? The empty tomb reminds us that no situation is hopeless. Because Jesus said, Listen, you think it's over. You think it's done. You think that the cross ended it all. But I'm here to tell you that I am alive now. And the cross didn't end anything. The cross started something new. And it begins to give us hope and realize helps us to realize that because the tomb is empty, we have hope no matter what our circumstances may be. And Peter began winning the battle against discouragement when he encountered the empty tomb. And whatever the source of your discouragement is, remember the resurrection consider the empty tomb go to the cross and remember that jesus died for you he loved you that much but don't stay there then walk over to the empty tomb and say he is now alive not only does he love me enough to die for me but he is powerful enough that i don't have to fear anything including death it's proof that jesus has power over sin and death and he has the power over anything that we may face So first, consider the empty tomb. The second step to curing discouragement, I like this, is to expect the unexpected. Because of the empty tomb, we can expect the unexpected. John 21, 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. I mentioned that Peter went out fishing. He threw himself into the work. And he was out there with other disciples. They said, hey, if you're going fishing, we're going to go with you. And they're out there early in the morning and, they, and they've been, been fishing all night long. And Peter and, and, and were out, they were all out there and they'd spent the night but had caught nothing. And early in the morning, a man standing on the shore called out to them, do you have any fish? They said, no. And then that stranger told them to throw their net on the other side of the boat and they would find some fish. Now, I, I can't I have to think that at that point in time, they began to think, wait a minute, is, is I've heard this before. Because this is this is this has happened before for them. And I may, I, may, I can't help but imagine they begin to think, could it be? Well, there's only one way to try to find out. So they did what he said. And they threw the nets on the other side of the boat. And they were, and they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And in that moment, John, all of John's suspicions were, were confirmed. And he said to Peter, It's the Lord! And that was all Peter needed to hear. He could not wait for the boat to get, off, get to the shore. The Bible says that he jumped in the water and he swam to shore. And Peter had gone to sea that night to fish. But he never expected to see Jesus. He never expected Jesus to show up. And he certainly didn't expect him to show up and do something like that. And Peter was beginning to learn an important principle. And that is because Jesus is alive, we need to be ready for the unexpected. You know what? You never know when Jesus is going to surprise you with a miracle. You never know when Jesus is going to show up. You may be on your way to leave flowers at a tomb. You may be out fishing. You may be in a prayer meeting. You never know when He will surprise you with a miracle. You might be like the the man who who lay for 38 years beside the pool of Bethesda and who was convinced that it was useless to hope for a miracle because he couldn't, couldn't get into the water when it was stirred. You may be like the disabled man who sat in front of the temple gate day after day after day after day, begging for money when what he really wanted was to be healed. Healed. You may be like Lazarus who died thinking that his closest friend was not there to comfort him on the, in the hour of his death. You may be like Martha who thought that God waited too long to show up and now her brother was dead and it was too late. You may be like the woman at the well who searched for love had led her through a series of failed relationships. You may be like Peter who made mistake after mistake after mistake and who in a moment of weakness deserted the one whom he loved more than any other and all of these individuals have one thing in common and that is they reached the point of being discouraged and then in that moment when they least expected it they had an encounter with the power of god many years ago a young midwestern lawyer suffered from such deep depression that their friends decided it was best to keep all knives and razors out of his reach He questioned his life's calling. He questioned the prudence of even attempting to follow through. And during this time, he wrote this. He said, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode, I shall not. But somehow, from somewhere, this man received the encouragement he needed And the course of history was altered because he didn't give in to his discouragements. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Some of you here today may be feeling overwhelmed by discouragement. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your financial situation. It could be anything. And maybe you're here and you're asking yourself, why should I keep on? What's the use? Why don't I just quit? I'm going to answer that question for you. The reason not to give up. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive today and he's at work in your life. And because the tomb is empty, you need to get ready for the unexpected. Because you don't know when he's going to show up. Let me tell you, this morning, after 21 years of prayer, our, our beloved Debbie... She saw a miracle take place that that she had longed for and hoped for and prayed for, but I guarantee she didn't expect it was going to happen, and certainly not that way. I was told that when she saw me up here praying with him, that she told somebody, "My son's praying with the pastor." She was shocked. She was amazed. She was wonder. She was uh, stand, stood there looking and and in wonder at that all. We don't give up because the tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, we can expect the unexpected. You never know when Jesus is going to surprise you with a miracle. And, and, and you know, we look at life and we, we realize we can't control the, our lives. It's not a simple cause and effect. Maybe we can't get the results we want when we want them. But you know what? We can't control those things. But you know what we can control? we can be faithful that's what we can do we can keep on things won't always be the way they are today that's a truth right there listen if and that's a that's a uh, that's a thought that will sober us in our best moments and give us hope in our worst because in our best moments we can look at things and say listen Everything is, is, is just as good as I can possibly imagine it. But at the, and what that does, it's easy for us to forget God in those moments and, and, and to just kind of go through life and just, and just take it all for granted. But if I will remember that things are not always going to be they are, the way they are today, then maybe I will cherish those moments and thank God and I'll, I'll allow Him to work in my life to get me ready for whatever change may come. But in my worst times, it becomes a lighthouse on the shore in the fog of discouragement. Because in my worst times, I can look at at my life and say, listen, it is as bad as it has ever been. But this I know, Jesus is alive, the tomb is empty, I can expect the unexpected, and things will not always be as they are now. Because the tomb is empty, We can expect the unexpected. Would you bow your head? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus.